You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. 1935, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit, City of Champions. Oh, the crack of the bat, and we are off. It is Detroit, City of Champions, 1935 year, a trilogy of books and a screenplay. And and I'm telling you, man, this movie, I, I, want, I want a bag of popcorn to watch this thing right now. Me too. I just I just <laughs> want to get into it and, and watch it. Uh, we're diving into the stories uh, behind the, the 33 different championships won in, in 1935 in Detroit. And, it, I, God, it just warms my heart because uh, it, it, it's, it's such a – it was such a struggling city then. It's, it's a, it's a, the city has a bunch of challenges right now. Uh, and I think it's, I think it, it was on the way up for, for both. And there's and so many parallels with that, with this time and now. And that's, uh, I think one of the things that, um, that really drew, uh, drew me yeah. to it. Like it, it was because when I first was, when I first started doing this, yeah. um, it was, uh, it, it was 2007, 2008, you know, when the bubble burst, you know, back in the you know, the big recession, and um, so, especially at that point, there was uh, there was so many different similarities between. Like I was working on this book and working on the you know that's really getting going on this thing, and um, it was it was. I mean, a lot of people remember two thousand two thousand seven eight, and it was like you know it was tough times. Yeah. It was not easy oh. in the, the especially you know Detroit and all this, and hmm. um, so that's what I mean. Like there was so many different like parallels because because this is the Great Depression, and then we were like kind of in the Great Recession. Yeah. And uh, I just, I just thought it was just how many. I just really initially, I, re- I mean, I just thought how cool this would be, like the message being, if they, you know, like a, like a sort of like a beacon of light, like you know, even though this is about sports, it still comes from an era of Detroiters that if they could do it, if they could get through the Great Depression, then we could get through this recession and the current issues of Detroit. I just thought what a wonderful parallel between that time and ours. It is. <clears throat> it, it really is. And uh, the, the trilogy of books came to be, and then the screenplay is, 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 is written. It just needs to be produced. And uh, I just I, – I can't – I just – and again, I love being here, at Charles, as you tell these stories, and I, I get to be a fly on the wall with my good friend Tom. I, I just, I'm, I just uh, we're coming friends, so yeah, I, yeah, I Tom, enjoy. Tom started off as a, as a special guest, and it was like we were putting the the item, uh, the article, you know, the description for the show. Special guest Tom Urich. So how many times do I have to type special guest? I know, guest? like you got to the point where I'm it was like, like just you know, what, just let him, him be a, here every week because yeah, like, he's just, awesome. Yeah, and like, yeah. He knows his so, crap, and exactly. uh, we're going to enjoy having him around. Well, yeah. So. It's an honor to be here to listen to Charles tell the story. Well, we have fun, man. We all like to talk about it, and it's it's a cool thing. Because I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm admittedly not a sports guy, right? I I like history. I love Detroit. Um, I I don't know nothing about nothing about nothing about sports. But you're learning, man. You keep saying that. You're learning, Jamie. But I I enjoy. I I, but I'll go to at least one game of every team every year, just because I love the experience. I and again, I love the city. I love you know people getting excited about the city and excited about the sports. Um, I I like it more when they're losing because the the tickets are cheaper. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm just cheap like that, yeah. Tom. I'm just I'm a high school teacher, man. I'm working on a budget here. <laughs> if they're losing, I get them five dollar bleacher creature tickets, and I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember the bleacher creatures. I'm a I, I was I was young and I knew about it. I never got to go. We would go with the altar boys and the Cub Scouts. We would get on a bus and go downtown to. 
Briggs Stadium, Tiger Stadium. Oh, yeah. That brings back uh, memories to me because yeah. I used to go to the bleachers for get the doubleheader for fifty cents. All right, yeah, up, up out in the center field bleachers. <laughs> I'm from Kalamazoo, so we would come out from Kalamazoo to go to a Tiger game. Yeah. Like during like we'd say we were going out to like look at colleges or whatever. And then we would <laughs> say we would like drive out from Kalamazoo and go to a Tiger game, and there was literally nobody in the bleachers. We get a crazy bread coupons. It was like buy one ticket, get one free. Yeah, and they yeah. were two bucks anyway, <laughs> so it was a buck a ticket. You yeah. Know? And so, yeah, so talking about the teams, you know, of course, we, we, we've gone through a bit with the, the Tigers and, and we've gone through a bit with the Lions. And now we're working our way uh, through the Red Wings. We're looking at the roster from 1935 because there was a couple – there were changes in 1935. And we talked about some yeah. guys last week. What uh, – where well, are we heading to this week? Yeah, What's so just going a, on? you know, sort of a refresh of where we're at at this exact moment. We've already gone through the history of the NHL. We've talked about Jack Adams, how he's a just tremendous player. Yeah, um, we we worked our way through how he beat you know the the, the uh, Detroit uh, hockey franchise's uh, second year in existence. He became their um, their guiding hand, their coach and general manager. And he's a you know he's still a young guy at this point. I mean, he'd retired from hockey, but um, you know he's still he's still a young guy, and so. Um, you know, he starts laying down the foundation for this team. You know, in his very first year, he starts the Detroit Olympics, which is a minor league club, and they play in at Olympia Stadium. And then year after year, he's finding peace, you know, one guy at a time. He's building his franchise, and he's identifying, you know, a, one star. Each year, it seemed like he'd found one more star. Right. And so, um, and then, of course, we talked about how when the, when the Great Depression hit, uh, the stock market crashed and everything, the fortunes of the Detroit hockey franchise absolutely plummeted, you know, from the Cougars to the Falcons, and then the, the franchise was just literally on its last. Like, they were, the, the team was being managed by the, by the, or they were owned by the bankers who, you know, who owned the, you know, who owned the rights to the team. You know, they were in bankruptcy, and uh, that was Jack Adams' bosses were the actual bankers uh, who were managing the team through receivership. And then along comes the hero, James Norris, to the, this uh, fa- you know, fabulously wealthy, diehard hockey fan with a grudge against uh, Frederick McLaughlin from the Blackhawks, <laughs> and you know to, to wage his on ice war with the uh, with the, you know with the with McLaughlin, um, you know Blackhawks with the newly named Detroit Red Wings, which is you know he's the guy that brought that name to the team, and so in their first couple of years, their fortunes certainly increased. Norris started putting money into the team, and uh, in their second year of Norris ownership. The Red Wings go to their first Stanley Cup Finals, and they lose to the Blackhawks. Ah. You know, like I say, you know this rivalry with the Blackhawks is growing over the years, and uh, so and then the following year, the year after their first Stanley Cup appearance, the Red Wings, which is this, we're now we're talking about nineteen thirty four, thirty five, and the Red Wings have an absolutely awful season. And so um, we've already talked about the idea that uh, that you know we, we've, we've certainly talked about it at length how the Tigers and Lions were yeah. were having this incredible year. And at this exact same moment that these other two teams are playing fantastic, the the Red Wings are just the nobodies. I mean, there's very little information on them. They're you know they may cover the game and tell you what happened, but there's you know there's there. I mean, you've, you've got barrels of ink being used to cover the Tigers. Um, uh, maybe uh, coffee mugs full of ink to cover the Lions because they're you know far less you know uh, incredibly underreported at this moment, yeah. and then um, spoonfuls of ink to cover the Red Wings at this point. And the Red Wings knew that that you know Adams and Norris um, they you know they had to have known. I did, I don't have anything that for them saying oh we knew that we had to do it now, but you can but but the writing was on the wall that this was a, that Detroit was experiencing this sports renaissance. Mm. And if they were not part of it, if they were the only team that did not win, uh, then they would be left behind, and those spoonfuls of ink would become thimblesful, if yeah. if anything at all. So, well, we noted that uh, the the Lions' first game 
in the midst of it was it was that in, in, during thirty four. Yes, in the Lions' first game, you you happen to find like a, just a little blurb about it. Uh, in this whole big section all about the Tigers. Well, what it was was, remember, was uh, like Wendy a, had given me that newspaper. Yeah. And it was a, it was the Tigers had just clinched the pennant the previous day. That's why right. it was, her, I believe it was her, uh, it was her, I believe it was her father that had left it to her. Yeah. And that's why he kept it because it was a Tiger. He had just won the pennant newspaper. And if, yeah, you comb through the entire sports section and there was like, there wasn't even a match. It was like the day after, and they're like, "Oh yeah, there's you know, it was, um, uh, football." Yeah, it was. A, I think football. it was one day after the cha- one day after they had played their first game, and there yeah. was like, they yeah, talked they about it. They, yeah, they talked. And they about talked about the other team more. Yeah. There was the star on yeah. the other team. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like they're, <laughs> you know, the Tigers were the dominant coverage of the, at this moment, and so that's what I'm saying. Anything that the Red Wings did get was, you know, especially when they're having this awful year. They're 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 for all intents and purposes the Red Wings are irrelevant at this moment. So if they didn't do it, they it wasn't going to happen. Exactly. And so you can so even though there's no documented necessarily evidence where it says yeah. where you know with doc, you know, of Jack Adams and um and uh, Jim Norris saying, "Well, we need to win now." The the evidence is in their is in the what they did, their actions. Right. And it because the because it's really started out with this Massive move at the end of, at the end of the year. They had, I believe, sixteen games left in the season, and um, and then they go out and spend fifty thousand dollars to get Sid Howe and Scotty Bowman. That's just throwing some big money around, exactly. And that's eye popping numbers. They'd never made a move like that ever. They'd never spent fifty thousand dollars on a player. They even had Cooney Wyland as one of the best scorers in the game at that point, and they um and they still they'd never spent that kind of money on him. They'd never spent that kind of money on anybody. And so that's and so to make a move like that, and especially the the players that they got back, yeah. you know, we'd already talked about Sid Howe, um, and just like a just an incredibly flashy goal scorer that the the Ottawa assassin, you know, and then we yeah. got Scotty Bowman, um, and then you know this, this defenseman, this uh, um, just tough as nails defenseman who was like an up and comer, and so that was a big move, and so like I say that just just their behavior, just their just their actions indicate, especially since. You know, those, you know, it's, you know, Mickey Cochran had been, had been purchased for a hundred thousand. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is, you know, if, you know, a hockey team is spending $50,000 on a player and, you know, a couple of guys. That's like, you know, that's, you know, it's not Mickey Cochran numbers, but right. hell, it's eye popping just like that. Yeah. And so that, you know, that kind of a move makes, you know, makes headlines. And that's, I think, you know, we were talking about last week. I was kind of joking about the idea that, you know, you can imagine that the, the Eagles, the St. Louis Eagles, which they got it from, um, we're saying, uh, you know, we'll take forty-seven thousand or something, you know, and they're going, no, we want to give you fifty thousand, you know, because it's just a bigger, rounder number. It makes yeah. a flashier. It's almost, it's almost worth the headlines at right. that for this. And so, anyway, so yeah, so we talked about a few of the guys they got, um, you know, in this, in this, at, you know, at the, you know, they got, uh, they got Bowman, they got Scotty Bowman and Sid Howe uh, towards the end of um, the season. So they yeah. had a few games left to, to kind of work them in. And then we also talked about at the at the end of thirty-four and thirty-five. How they acquired Marty Berry in a big trade for their their only All Star Cooney Weiland. They traded him to get Marty Berry, um, who was also just an elite. Um, you know, he was he was it was just a flip. It was like a swap of centers, which yeah. was kind of crazy because everybody was like, "Why would you both trade your two of the best centers in the game for each other?" That was mm. kind of the situation, and we talked about that last week of you know the, like their the rationale behind that trade. And that trade idea that trade would linger through the entire year as a um, as a conversation. People were like, "Who got the better end of that trade?" Um, and then we also talked about um, 
So those were three of the guys, you know, on top of the five main, you know, their five, their core five. Then came the hurricane. Yep. So, well, yeah, we had, exactly. Uh, Heck Kil, so Heck Kilrea, um, <laughs> you know, Heck Kilrea, they, uh, they. I only the, knew because I had the picture. Yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah. Hur, so, hur, yeah. Hurricane. Yeah. We got Hurricane. Sounds like I know what I'm talking hurricane, about. Heck, hurricane Heck Kilrea. And then, uh, yeah. So those, so, those, so these are. Um, those four. Yeah. So these are four more guys that they got. So on yeah. top of their core five, that's nine. And so because they're, because Adams realized they got to make, they got to reform the the entire um I'm we, good we go with the Okay cool. Too. So so they had you know they're they're trying to rebuild this team because they know they got to be competitive. And yeah. so they add Hurricane Hakilrea for 7500 which was not as splashy as 50000 but he's a solid winger, um solid player. Um and then so and one of the guys we didn't mention last week and I sort of forgot to mention him. He's not a he's not necessarily a star but he's going to play a role throughout the, re- the the rest of the season. His name was Pete Kelly. And they got Pete Kelly in the um we mentioned how the the um the St. Louis Eagles uh, had had uh, had a dispersal draft, and there was a little bit of controversy um, over the idea because the Eagles had sold uh, Scotty Bowman and said how, and then like a couple months later, there's the there's the uh, there's the dispersal draft, and all mm. these other teams are like, hey, hey we could have got those guys for free in the yeah. dispersal draft, and then you guys made a deal to sell them and buy uh-huh. them from. They felt, you know, especially McLaughlin was was annoyed by that. <laughs> um, More and, millionaires getting mad at each yeah, other. Yeah. So <laughs> so anyway, so one of, so in that dispersal draft, the Red Wings got the Red Wings got a guy named Carl Voss. And 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 then so they um uh, I believe I had to take another look but I believe he had played with them previously and okay. they kind of knew what they were getting with him and so they instead they went with uh, they traded him after the you know during the disp- during this dispersal draft at these winter meetings um, for they traded him for uh, Pete Kelly that's how so how that's how Pete Kelly arrives with the with the Red Wings is um he was actually uh he was actually the selection of the New York of a New York New York Americans. And then he is traded uh, for Carl Voss. That's how he arrives with the Red Wings. So there's actually that fifth guy that they okay. they've acquired. So they've got it. So they've got like sort of their core ten at this point that they're going in the league with. Now this is so this is where we're going into for today's episode. Yeah. And we're going with today's episode is like this is this is going to be a, I love this stuff. I can't wait because because <laughs> not because today we're talking about. Um, three of these other guys that they got, which are going to be absolutely huge um, contributors to the rest of the season, and um, and it, but it's but the understanding these three players is to is necessary to understand uh, the Detroit the fact that the the Detroit Olympics the minor league team mm-hmm. so uh, so as we mentioned last week and I'm going to uh, say it again t- today to to launch this story off is that the Detroit Olympics actually so the Detroit Olympics and so while the Red Wings were terrible in 1934 35. The Detroit Olympics won their championship. They won the IHL championship, which is, is the symbol symbolized with the uh, Teddy Oak Trophy. Um, so they won the Teddy Oak Trophy, the the uh, symbol of 1934-35 IHL hockey supremacy. Okay, so yeah. the, so that so while the, the parent club was awful, the minor league team are 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 great. Yeah. You know, they win the championship. And three of their core guys. There's there's a lot of guys that we're going to cover. There's no way to cover them all. These guys today, nor is it necessarily essential for the story we're telling now. But we will get to them, and because there's because there's some great players on that team. There's some really great players and some stories that spin off into all these other directions. But for today, we're going to focus on three guys. And the first of the, first of which is a, is the is the goalie Normie Smith. The Normie goalie, Smith. The goalie of the 1934-35. Um, Olympics, and you can see the picture we have on the screen. I've got mm-hmm. a photo. The photos I got, I've got some of the greatest photos that you can imagine for Normie Smith. If like every once in a while you see, like, say he's one of the guys, very rarely that gets a, you know, if you see him a picture of him, maybe somewhere or another. The picture you normally see is the one at the bottom of the screen that we have. Um, 
that I have on this on this here. Actually, I colorize it. Usually, usually it's in black and white. And oh, okay. I, I wasn't. I said I'm not. I said in my books, I'm not using the same pictures that anybody else has used in their books. I'm not doing that, mm-hmm. right? But and so this picture is is seen out there in other in other books. Um, at least this picture with him wearing a baseball cap. Um, but the picture that I have, I, it was hand colorized by a friend of mine named Dennis Garacia. So. Oh. Um, so we, so, uh, yeah, so this, so that is not, so it's the same It's a picture that's been seen, but we colorized it. So okay. it's a different, so it technically it's, it's a different It's one shot. better. Yes. It's, yeah, it's we like took turning it, it up to like 11. I said, I'm not using any, exactly. Take it up to 11. Yes, I love that. That's, that's the greatest sitting analogy. I use that too. I love that. We took that up to, that picture up to an 11. <clears throat> yeah. So anyways, um, so yeah, so, but the, but the picture at the top of the screen that we have, one is a picture of Normie Smith, an incredibly rare photo. Uh, it's got, in fact, this picture, if you could really look close enough in the bottom right hand corner, it says, in, it's, it's actually written on the photo, 1935 Olympics. Oh. Um, this is Normie Smith wearing an Olympics jersey. And wow. in the, in the, in the, why this is how rare this is, is that this comes out of Normie Smith's own photo album. Oh. Okay. I met his daughter, Norma Smith, and was in, if she's listening, she's a friend of mine on Facebook, and uh, just an absolute, just totally, just a total, uh, just, so so nice, incredible. You know, just just an absolute, um, just, just so nice for this. Uh, she was so nice to to let me. I mean, she, like I I you know I talked to her. I somehow I I forgot how I met her. Um, if it was a person, a friend of a friend, or uh, she might have even been the uh, friends with Gary Bowman, who was who had met also somehow from somewhere. Um, but anyways, uh, she was just I you know I tell her I'm trying to I'm trying to do this book and you know I'm looking for photos and stuff and she's like come on over you know come on over I was like in her house for like I just just met her new you know brand new and I'm, and I'm in her house for like four or five hours scanning you know her her dad's scrapbooks photo albums and Normie Smith I just want to say this his collection of his collection of Red Wings um like uh he kept a, he kept every single article. For like I don't know six seven years wow. of his hockey career, he kept at, dude. The scrapbooks are amazing. There oh. was every it was literally a chronology of Where, every the, single game. And she still has all that. It's a family yeah, treasure. Yeah, That's it's, it's a fan. So she's like, here, I, this is this is his album. She brings. You know, I'm thinking he's got. You know, she's got a couple of scrapbooks. You know, yeah. And she's got an encyclopedia. Oh my <laughs> like, god, like a Red Wings <laughs> 1930s encyclopedia. I'm like, oh my god, where do I even start with this? You know. Yeah. And so I just was doing the best I could to read and scan and do what I could. You know, uh, and and you know, she had a lot of original photos and stuff. And this is a photo out of Normie Smith's own collection, and he's actually written on the photo, 1935 Olympics. Right. You know, I mean, that's just the coolest. It's like written in his own handwriting and stuff. So anyways, yeah. So I've got a picture. You know, what we got here is a picture of Normie Smith on the Olympics. And there's so many other great photos. I was when I was putting these slides together, I was like it was I, I was like torn because I've got, you know, he had photos of his entire career. He had photos of, of himself with the Quebec Beavers. Oh, wow. He had photos of himself with every team. He had there's photos of him on a midget on a peewee midget team like Jeez. from 1916. So I mean, like this, I mean, just and they were all like, he's a goalie and all these different shots, and they're just super clear, high resolution. I'm like, so they're all in the that's books. A great, yeah, it is a great shot. So yeah, so I've got a, I've got a special section, and it's uh, the t- the uh, Normie Smith's teams. And what it was was there's I think I've got eight different photos. He's oh, got wow. like eight different teams, and it's just uh, every different team of Normie Smith that he had played with. And I'll give you a quick rundown here. This I actually got them written down. So uh, 1924. Um, so he played pee wee hockey as um, as I mentioned. Uh, and then, and uh, when he was 16 years old, he took sort of an interesting detour. 
and he went off to become a uh, to work work on a fishing boat for four years. So his hockey career is interrupted with a four year stint on a fishing boat, <laughs> and so it was according to legend. And this is like this is where legend starts was it to the meet. Black Pearl by any chance? It was not that, but no. maybe something a little bit more interesting. Did he run like this? But I think maybe something even <laughs> potentially more interesting. Okay, because because at the, according to legend, and I've got the legend, the article in the book, right, is that he learned his 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 excellence in go- as a goalie. In, like increased, it became better as uh, because he was a because he was using a spear to fish. So his hand-eye coordination, his spear fishing, what became oh like like he, like oh. he learned like there's like you know he's learning how to be you know his goalie skills improved, kind of like Miyagi and Karate Kid was like paint defense and stuff. Oh like God. maybe he went out to become a, a fisherman and with the spear fishing. Simply to improve his goalie skills. That's a, that's my theory. <laughs> that's it. I that's like that theory. story. It's a like theory, that. right? So they, they, I like they, that story. I mean, it's in print that that's what he that they, that he actually gives some credit to his spearfishing yeah. as learning as improving his goalie skills. I thought you were going to say the balance and being on the boat and his no, balance. No, but who's that? That who's but, to say yeah. that wasn't part of it too? But <laughs> yeah. he, but um, but but he actually he actually gives credit in an article where he talks about the spearfishing and how it uh and how it improved his goalie skills. And that's one of the questions I wonder is is did he go off to sea for four years just to, you know, like to, to, cause yes, that's the level of the goal he wanted to become. But that's a matter of conjecture. Um, that's, a, I like that. I, that's I'm a stuck. hypothesis. I'm going but, with uh, that story. Okay, like good. It. Okay. That's so, the story I'm going to tell people. Yeah. So, so he's gone for four years and he comes back and he, um, he joins up. So he joins a semi pro team called Adams Furniture in 1929 30. And then from there, he must have played pretty well because, um, from there, the Montreal Maroons, which is literally at this point, the Montreal Maroons is just one of the most proudest organizations uh, that there was. Montreal Maroons are just an absolutely just legendary organization at this point. So the Montreal Maroons, um, he he the Montreal Maroons sign him, uh, but he gets sent to their minor league minor league team, which is the Windsor Bulldogs. And, it, and it, so in in this year, nineteen thirty thirty one, he wins the IHL. He's a goalie for their their team, and they win the IHL championship, which is the minor league championship that year. All right. So, um, and then so 1931-32, which is the following year, he's promoted by the Maroons, um, but he is injured in a freak collision with Howie Morenz. So he, so um, Howie Morenz's name, he's one of the, Howie Morenz is one of the best, if not the best, goal scorers in the NHL, and he he has a collision with him and is and gets mangled up. Um, the following year, he returns. He's returns to Windsor um, as a, again as a minor leaguer for the Maroons to kind of build back after this injury. And it's there that he begins to wear, which it becomes his like his signature thing, which is in this photo, as you see, a baseball hat. So Normie Smith, like you see in this photo here, yeah. anytime you see a goalie wearing a baseball hat and he's, he's a Red Wings guy, yeah. it's Normie Smith. Because that was like his signature look. He's wearing, he's sporting a baseball cap in goal. Okay. Yeah. And the reason why he was, uh, wore this baseball cap was because the glare from the overhead lights would get into his eyes or, you know, this helped him ah. shade the glare from the lights. So he sported a baseball hat. So like from this point on, you're going to, pretty much every photo you're going to see with Normie Smith, the one up in the top right corner, that's, that was like, I, I believe when he, I mean, that's an early photo because pretty much every photo you're ever going to see is him wearing a baseball hat. Um, and so anyways, and so from the, so, <clears throat> so he's in, so he, so that's 32, 33 and 33, 34, he's signed by the Quebec Beavers, which is uh, outside the, it, this is, they're not part of the, uh, IHL. They're sort of like a, they're another minor league. Um, I want to say they're a little bit less, uh, as of much of a big deal as the IHL. Um, but so he's signed by the Quebec Beavers. And again, I got a great photo, fo- this great photo. I wanted to show it so bad. It's, it, the Jersey is so cool. It's got a cue. With a beaver on it, with it's like sitting on the queue. It's like the cool. It's like it's the coolest jersey. 
Um, so, and then in 34, 35, <clears throat> he is signed by the St. Louis Eagles. <clears throat> there's a, there's this team again, the Eagles. And so from there, he is, um, he is traded, uh, to the Red Wings for a guy named, a guy named Burr Williams, who was actually, Burr Williams is interesting because he's like kind of like this weird trade fodder. Like he seems like always, like whenever there's a trade, like you always are like, this guy was traded for Burr Williams. And then there's like another team that's talking on like, Burr Williams and this other guy were part of the deal. Like he's like, it's like, he's always like trade bait. He's like, I think he was like a really, he was a good player, Yeah, but he was always, but they're always using him like, Hey man, we need another defenseman. Get, get us Burr Williams. We'll trade him for whoever, you know, like, so he was always getting passed around. Like he played for the Red Wing or for the minor league, for the minor league, uh, you know, the, the Olympics at least two times. Cause he ends up, end up Burr Williams ends, ends up coming back at one point. Um, so anyways, so he's traded for Burr Williams. And um, so, so Normie Smith comes to the Red Wings, and then he's sent to the Olympics for the 1934-35 season, where he where he becomes the goalie for that championship team, and uh, and he finishes the season with a 2.00 uh, goals against average, which is uh, about as good as you're going to get. Um, so he was, a, you know, so he's he has a great year with the uh, with the Red Wings, and um, this is so it's a refresher, you know, listener and viewers' memory. The you know, Jack Adams had this belief that a good goalie was sixty percent of the game. It was sixty percent of a team that was like he, a good goalie was just absolutely essential. And so Adams had caught lightning in a bottle two years in a row. Right. Um. The it was the, the two two years previous they had found John Ross Roach who took the team to their first playoff. It was he was a goal. He was the first Red Wings goalie, John Ross Roach. And he was he had a, he had a great year in his first year with the Red Wings. They took him. They won their first playoff series. And then the following year, they if you remember the previous episode, Wilf Cude was this wonderkind in 1933-34 who took him all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. And but Wilf Cude was on loan from Montreal. So 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 this is the year 34-35 in which Wilf Cude is no longer on the Red Wings. So they had like basically mm. you know they were they borrowed a player that was like looked at as like a third. He was a young, young goalie. Um, and then he, and he blew up with the Red Wings. Now Montreal wants him back. Now he's Montreal's goalie. And so the Red Wings are sort of in this spot again. And so they try to bring back John Ross Roach and Roach has a terrible year in 34, 35, <clears throat> which is one of the catalysts, you know, kind of vindicating effort. Uh, Adam's belief that a good goalie is 60% of the team because Roach didn't have a very good year. <clears throat> so the team sort of fell apart. And so at the meantime, Normie Smith is leading the, is leading the Olympics to the championship. And so, you know, now it becomes, you know, Adam starts to think, well, maybe I got this goalie in, in, you know, in, in, um, you know, with the Olympics that could do some, do some, uh, do some good up here. And so anyway, so that's where we're going to sort of leave Normie Smith. You know, you can see, you know, the, the evolution, you know, his story, how he's leading his, his career is leading to the Red Wings. And that's where, um, so this is a guy that we're going to, um, come back to for sure. But, uh, that's like sort of his, um, his lead up. Hey there, Normie. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Norm. I like Normie Smith. Oh, dude, you're gonna like him a lot more as the story comes. Uh, okay, unfolds. yeah, I like, like it. That's why. That's why it's so essential to introduce. I, I, him where he comes it just from. Uh, did he wear that baseball hat while he was playing, or was that just for pictures? And no, stuff? he wore it while he was playing. That's crazy. Yeah, in fact, that's for pictures like, for pictures. If it's a stage photo, a lot of times, like that's pretty much the only time you don't see him with a hat. Oh, if he's like if he's wearing a hat, he's he's in a game. That's just that's just nuts. I mean, now they wear these like you know, yeah, quadruple bulletproof. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's wearing a, a baseball. Out there hat. with a baseball cap. <laughs> yeah. Well, the yeah, other guys totally aren't wearing cool. anything yeah. at all. Yeah, though, yeah. So. And he, I don't think he was a hundred percent unique in that regard. I think right. there's a couple other goalies I've seen photos of that that were wearing hats at that time. Um, but uh, but he, but that was what he was absolutely known for. Like that was like as far as whenever mm-hmm. you see like a Red Wing specifically, 
uh, wearing a baseball hat. That's, you know, that's, um, Normie Smith. So love that. Yeah. So that's Normie. So we're going to leave him. That's where we're going to, that's where we're going to leave off with Normie. Um, we'll pick up with him in a little bit. But uh, so the next guy we're going to talk about is a guy named Wally Kilria. Mm. So where have we heard the last name hey, Kilria Wally. before? Oh, where were we Kilria? We talked about Heck earlier on in the oh, show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heck okay. is one of the guys the Red Wings signed. So Heck, $7,500. The Red Wings got Hurricane Heck Kilria. Mm-hmm. And so in, and in the meantime, so, this, so Heck Kilria is the older brother of Wally. Okay. And so Wally, so while so Heck is like a star, okay. Heck played with Jack Adams, yeah. with the in Ottawa. Right. Heck is a bona fide star at this point, and he, like that I say, that, he's not a superstar, but he's a star. He's like everywhere he goes, he puts up numbers. He's a great player. Every you know, he's always you know usually on the kind of a second line guy, but he's always but he's always a contributor in some capacity. That Ottawa team that keeps coming up. Yeah, again oh, that's again. what I'm trying to say. When, when I re, when I introduced this a few episodes ago. I told you these guys were going to come up because there are yeah. so many components so was, from that team. From he was from that. And now this yes. is his older brother? This is Wally, his uh, youngest. This oh, is his, his younger youngest. brother. And so Wally Kilrea is going to – and so this is – so Wally Kilrea um, <clears throat> has, takes a completely different route than his brother. Whereas his brother, again, was like a star. Wally was basically like uh, – he was going from team to team to team looking for a looking for a a way to stick with the, with these teams. Mm-hmm. Um he like the, one of the, the biggest, you know, he's one of these players that he didn't necessarily excel at any one thing. Like if he, like if he was, if there was, a, if there was going to be an attribute for Wally Kilrea, it would just be like heart. Like it would just be like a, just a total, the kind of guy that is going to like give you every single ounce that he's got. He's a hustle guy. He's a kind of, and in fact, his nickname, he's got one of the greatest nicknames. His nickname is the Pest. His nickname is the Wally the Pest Kilrea. That's uh, that's a good name in hockey. Yeah, so he's the Pest. And so he's great on offense. He's great on. De- I mean, he's he's good on offense. He's gonna he's, he basically basically can do everything good, but he's not particularly great at anything. But what takes his game up to the next level is the fact that he's just like he hustles. Like he's just not. He's like a nonstop motor. He's all you know. He's just got this determination to you know to hang in. And he's coming up from the Olympics as well. Yes, but it's what. So just a quick summary of Wally. So Wally, um, uh, so Wally played. Wally ends up playing for uh, five years with Sid Howe on five different teams. Oh, wow. it's crazy because Wally in his youth, he had, he he um he has a Wally for most of his you know for, since his youth his had a bang his, had a banged up nose. He had a banged up nose, and yeah. it was Sid Howe. Had banged up his nose in the when they were kids on a like a you know some uh, amateur rink somewhere, uh, and so his nose was like permanently <laughs> altered from thanks, something Sid. Sid had done to him. And so he ended up, the crazy thing was is how they they both were on. He's played five years with Sid Howe on five different teams. <laughs> so everywhere they went, it isn't it cool? And it's, even and that doesn't even count like the amateurs. They, they right. didn't count their years in the amateurs together. And so, anyway, so the photo we have on the screen is a picture of Wally with the Olympics jersey on and one with the Red Wings jersey. That's from the same year, um, because he was on both teams, as we're going to find out. Um, so, anyways, so Ottawa, uh, so he starts out his career with Ottawa, and he's on the same team as Sid Howe, nineteen twenty nine thirty, with Ottawa. Um, he goes over the same thing, goes follows Sid Howe over with the when the Ottawa um, temporarily suspends operations, and that they, he goes to Philadelphia Quakers from the 1930-31 season. So he's part of the same team with Sadal as one of the the worst team in NHL history. They only win six games. And then 31-32, he goes to New York Americans. Uh, then he goes to, the, to Ottawa. Um, he finishes up the season with the Maroons in 32-33. So he's like on two different teams, Ottawa and the Maroons in 32-33. And then in 34, he ends up on um, on the Olympics. So he's on the, the on the Detroit Olympics in 
And so, so he's back sort of in the minor leagues. Um, so he's been, been in the NHL for a good number of years. But, again, he's never really been a star. And I think at this point he's just looking for an opportunity. Uh, and, he, and, it, you know, he, and he lands up on the Olympics with a chance to you know, basically play full-time minutes and get a chance to play. And so Wally, he takes full advantage of, of, his, of his play. And, uh, and so he, um, he ends up becoming the captain of the Olympics. Oh. Like he's like this heart and hustle guy. And he just becomes like the, this, this captain of this Olympics. He's got that all-American look there in that Olympics totally, jersey. Totally, he looks yeah. like he's one of the junior Avengers. Yeah, and he's you know he had, you know, this is the type of guy that had to learn to basically play all the positions. He was a forward, you know, he's you know could play center, left wing, right wing, and he's just could you know wherever they needed him, he's you know he could play wherever, and he's in whatever sort of situation you needed him, he was be, he'd be there. But um, you you know you you brought up a photo on there, Jamie. You can slide back slide back down on that. So this is a photo of um, this is from the this is when Wally Wally was in the minor leagues with the Olympics, and I just I was so happy to see this photo because I read the there was an article that accompanies this photo, and I read this article, and then there was the there there was a photo, and what it is you can see in this picture if you can see it, uh, it's as you can see, what's so great is that Wally is this short little five foot like six guy, and he is just pounding this guy who's like six three i mean look at the look at the difference in size it's kind of a grainy photo but you can see he's stretching his arms up over his head to hit this guy in the face like it's literally a david and goliath fight and he is in and david is socking this guy in the face i mean you see this shot he's got his legs braced and everything man he is impacting this guy and the guy is hitting is eric pettinger um, Eric Pettinger was uh, played with numerous. He was a, basically a career minor leaguer, but he was always one of the you know he was always one of those you know tough guy grinder. You know, just he was like sort of an enforcer slash kind of score. Like just a, he was a tough guy, and he was a brother of one a guy that Wally would eventually play with. Um, another uh, Petting uh, Gord Pettinger for the for the he would, Gord Pettinger played for. He's going to have a storyline of, of his own. But he played. He bounced between the Olympics and the Red Wings, mm. and we're going to talk about him when the season when we start talking about the season itself. But so this is Gord Pettinger's uh, brother Eric, and he and Wally is just pounding this guy, dude. He's going to town <laughs> with it. him. I love it. And so yeah, so um, yeah, so uh, yeah, so and one of the things too, it, it didn't have a picture of it on this, but but one of the cool things was to add a little extra interest to this particular fight. That's what I'm saying. Like this one little fight was like a whole story into itself, because everybody in the crowd was amazed. That little, you know, little Wally was taking it to Eric Pettinger, who's one of the you know tough guys in the minor leagues, just you know, pound on. But it, everybody was interested, especially a special guest on that particular evening, a uh, Mr. Joe Lewis. Oh, was in was in the audience that night, nice. watching this. And they actually look. I got a quote from this. I got a quote. It's actually kind of on the spot. Yeah. I got to dig it out real quick. Yeah. Um, I got a quote from Joe Lewis <laughs> on this fight with this. <laughs> yeah. So it yeah, says. See that uh, reach and, uh, you know, yeah, it says, take that um, to the ring, man. Look right here. Sitting back of Wally Kilrea and Eric Pettinger at Olympia the other night was Joe Lewis. Standing up, he looked, he looked at little Kilrea and the husky Pettinger as much to say, what the hell? He was trying to figure out with what Kilrea smacked down the Londoner in that fight on the ice. So Joe Lewis watched Wally pound this guy. He's like, damn. Like, I need some know, of those like, skills. Like, how cool is that, that Joe Lewis was there that night to watch that? Yeah, it gives you a thumbs up on your fight. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, you know, as you can see, you can imagine, like, I'm, I'm reading about this on a microfilm screen, you know, and I'm like, dude, this fight was awesome. You know, Joe Lewis, <laughs> and then they go, and then I flip the microfilm page, and there's the picture of him socking Eric Penning. I go, oh, my God, there's a photo of it, you know? They were good at their, you know, they were good at what they did. 
You know, they're actually like, oh, and by the way, here's the photo of the actual impact of the mm-hmm. of the fight. You know, somebody was not sleeping during this moment of the game. Uh, so anyway, so that, huh? so that kind of shows you, you know, it kind of shows you the kind of guy he was, and he and he became the captain of the team, and he was a he was the kind of guy that um, that um, you know he could you know he could just do a little bit of everything. He was good at just doing everything. He was a pest. You know, he would keep the puck away from other players. He would annoy other guys. He would do whatever. And he's gonna play a man. You know, he's. He's going to, like, you know, for most of the season, he's going to be kind of a, you know, he's just going to be, you know, there's so many other stars that he's, he you know, he actually is kind of in the background quite a bit. But he's going to shine. You know, he's going to be one of the key contributors down the stretch for the for the Red Wings championship. And um and so, did I, man, I just spoiled the whole show. Did I say, did I say what, what they end up doing? <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. You can't say what's going to happen at the end of the story. But, um, but anyways, no, he's going to play a, just a huge role. And Adams is going to single him out as one of his top ten is one of his top ten performers, nice. like like uh, at like moments of the entire finals and in everything. So, so anyways, that so that's Wally. We're gonna leave him there for uh, leave him there too. So, um, so okay, so now we're gonna get to my guy, my guy. This is the guy that I like. I don't even think you guys understand how excited I am to talk about this guy right here. This guy, I've, I already said it before. I already said I said. Um, Ebby Goodfellow is my favorite Red Wing um, from this era. He's my favorite, like pound for pound, year in, year out Red Wing. But Bucko McDonald is my favorite from the 1935 season. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you guys understand, like, how much I revere this player. <laughs> he is so – it's tough for me to say, like, he's not my yeah. favorite player because he totally is my favorite player. But he's, like, <laughs> my favorite, like, 35 guy. But but overall, you know, like Ebby is – but but Bucko McDonald is just the greatest, greatest guy, man. I, I love this guy. So, um, so anyways, Bucko McDonald, just to kind of intro uh, into his story. Um, so Bucko McDonald was a Hall of Fame Canadian lacrosse player. Oh, okay, that's her national game. Yeah, so he's a, so he's a he is a Hall of Fame Canadian lacrosse player. This guy is twenty years old when he comes to the when he first check this out. So he's already I'll set it up. He's a so he's a he eventually he will get inducted in the Canadian uh, Lacrosse Hall of Fame. His, there's also the Ontario Lacrosse Federation named named an award after him, which is the highest scoring player gets the Buckle McDonald Trophy. Okay, that's still around to this day. Oh wow! Okay, okay. he would end up becoming like a politician. He'd end up teaching Bobby Orr, how, like converted him into from a defense, just a pure defensive uh, a player into like an offense. He like taught him how to be like an offensive defenseman, like Bobby Orr, like he like he was like Bobby Orr's teacher. So like Buckle McDonald had this is this incredible career, but um. But so so he so he's only twenty years old. He's only twenty years old when he first uh, when he's like coming from the lacrosse fields to suit up to play hockey. So these first two guys we talked about, Normie Smith and Wally Korea, these are sort of guys that like you know Normie's going off to the fishing boat. Like this, these guys took like five to ten years before they got mm-hmm. to the Red Wings through this crazy long journey. But Bucko is twenty years old. He's a young buck. He's totally young. And so um, so anyways, Bucko like his he makes his bones in lacrosse. And so, like these other guys are all playing hockey, everything. His first hockey he's ever played oh. is is his is nineteenth is uh, nineteen thirty three thirty four with the Buffalo Bisons. He he gets signed um to by with the with the to the Buffalo Bisons are the minor league team of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm. And Con Smythe signs him because he's just this wonderkin at lacrosse, and they're right. like. Maybe yeah. his lacrosse skills can transit because there was other guys. Lionel Conacher was a lacrosse player and ended up becoming a major, just this you know superstar hockey player. So there was other lacrosse players that had made that transition. They're thinking, oh, maybe Buckle can do the same thing. And so they bring him to the so they bring him to Buffalo. 
Uh, they well, they first they you know he has no chance to make the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs are like a just a, a, a dynasty superstar team, and so they send him to their minor league team, which is Buffalo. And down in Buffalo, he only plays three games in uh, his first year. What a waste! He only gets three games, and so he basically he's like looking for a way. He's like, I want to play, you know, I want to mm-hmm. do this thing. And so they're and so anyways they and so um. So the Olympics pick him up. They it was they get a tr- they traded uh, they traded like he was part of like a like a four player deal. Like he was basically a toss in in this four player deal. Okay. So when he had come so when he comes to the Olympics, this is what's key to understand about him when he first arrives at the Olympics in 1934-35. He arrives at the Olympics and he has played a grand total of 3 hockey games of any significant like at any significant level. Like he didn't he didn't follow this chain all the way up where he's like right. playing amateurs and then seniors and then Goes through all these steps. This guy's played three games of hockey Jeez. in his entire career at this point. Okay, but he's but he's also but here's the thing: he's also a superstar lacrosse player. So he's got that going for him, right? Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, so I want to read. So this is so when I wrote this buckle chapter, this is the this was a very special chapter to me because um, th- there was so much ink on Buckle McDonald. Okay, there was so many. This is this is this guy is the very definition of a fan favorite. These writers loved him so much. They loved him so much that it was this was a unique experience. I was able to write an entire chapter on a player, okay? An entire section I called it. It was like maybe 30 page, you know, 20 20 something pages long, and I didn't say a single thing mm. the entire section. All I did was t- say the date and the sort of the circumstances of which the quote was appeared, and I didn't say anything. I said it right from the beginning of the chapter of his section. I said there were so many articles on Buckle McDonald from this year that a rare opportunity exists that I could actually step back and let the writers of the time tell the story. Almost like cobbled together is like a book. You know what I mean? Like I cobbled yeah. together their writings to assemble like a book of Buckle McDonald from 1935. And when I was done, it was like I mean it was it was actually kind of hard when I started yeah. start doing. It. I was like. Because you have to attach stuff, you know. You have to. So there was like little, just a just a one or I limited myself like you know max like two sentences to connect any article, and I did it. I was so proud of myself when I was done with it because it's the only section in the in all three books Mm. that the writers do all the talking. I don't say a single thing. Nice. And so I actually say in there like I'm going to turn it over to them now, and it and just like I said in the book, I'm going to turn it over now to this because I want to introduce the just the, the sort of the first um. The beginning of this of what I did with this because because this writer introduces Bucko so well. Does it start with like? Is this one of the first pieces of ink on him? Yeah, it, well, this, is, this one the first piece of ink. I, yeah, on him and also that I used in this book. On okay, him. this is like the introduction to Bucko, and I love this because it really talks about um, it talks about his personality. Okay, okay, this just shows you, and this it, it kind of gives you a reason why everybody loved him. All right, which what is the page? and that's why I love I love about this is just you know we got. Uh, we got you sharing these things. Yeah. I, I, lo- I love this part of it. Yeah. So anyway, so here we go. Um, hold on, what is it? Five forty-six. I love all these. Uh, the Detroit Times. But they, I don't, I don't they're ever so remember. colorful when they're writing. They are so colorful. They're so. It, that, it, just wait till you hear that. Okay. So it's a little bit of a long quote, but just okay. sit back, relax. If you got a drink, pour one off. Right. <laughs> I've got a drink. I'm gonna take a sip of mine just to get into the mood. <laughs> get into the moment. Here we go. Cheers. All right. So anyways, this is a this is a Bob Murphy interview with um with uh, with Buckle McDonald, and this is. This is the at this point in the of his section is where I where I stopped talking one sentence before and then from this point on the rest of the section is all the writers of this time. So this is the first one I used. All right, all right. So so here you go. This is Bob Murphy interview with Buckle McDonald. All right. Sometimes when I look at myself in the mirror, confided Buckle. Well, sir, I f- I feel like just saying, Buckle, you are the luckiest devil I know. You get plenty of sleep. 
You've got good health and more pep than the law allows. You like to dance and you like to sing. And yes, bucko, you like to talk. The only thing you need, bucko, is more people who will listen when you feel like talking. <laughs> bucko turned on a wide smile and roared with laughter as he completed that little discourse. With that, Bucko went right along telling me things about himself. In quick succession, he confided that automobiles are one of his weaknesses, that Eddie Goodfellow is, is his ideal of all that any hockey player should be, that he, Bucko, can square dance with the best of them, and that he started out in professional athletics as a lacrosse player at the age of 16. Bucko was questioned more closely about his square dancing. Must take it from my daddy, he said. Yes, I can sling those puppies in a square dance. We have mixed dancing up around Sandridge, both square and round. But I'm really at my best when they start swinging partners. So um, the next thing, heck must suffer. Buckle made the rafters in Charlie Jacobs' Olympia restaurant ring with laughter when his singing was mentioned. Ask Heck Kilrea, my roommate, about my singing, he said. I'm not a good singer, but it's one way of letting off steam. Heck's always kidding me about making up new lines for songs. I don't get around to memorizing words, but once I hear a tune, I make up my own lines. Pretty tough on Heck, I guess, but I've got to be doing something all the time. Some of us have more than our share of pep, and I'm one of them. So turn down by the Leafs. Buckle recalls with a great deal of delight that, his, that he, he first signed by Toronto, but that Connie Smythe couldn't see him as a prospect and sent him shuffling off to Buffalo. Uh, the Wings brought him to Buffalo, and actually this amazing young Bucko the Sacco has been playing pro hockey less than two full seasons. Bucko's mother has seen him play hockey only once. I don't like for her to see me play, he said. She'd do a lot of worrying. The correspondent then had to chuckle that anyone should worry about Bucko the Sacco not being able to take care of himself. Oh, you guys think I'm bloodthirsty because I sock him, he answered, but I'm really not. I've just found out a way to make him respect you is to let him have it when they least expect it. Yeah. Most of the times when I get in a good lick is when the other fellow is off balance, and I've always hit him clean and always will hit him clean. So this is, this is you get this, you get yeah. this like sense of who you're about to hear about like this guy. Yeah. Like this guy is so, so <laughs> cool. Like he's, he's got the, the personality is just so awesome, man. He's like, you know, I like the, the square dance and all this. You know, he's just, this, you know, he's, every single photo you will ever see Buckle in, he is, I mean, he's smiling. Um, this photo we have right here, he gets known because of, uh, he's got this appetite, like, like this guy, like so. This is a this is a, a, a I mean, this is a real photo. When he went to eat dinner at this hotel, Statler, they brought him out this side of beef. Like he would, like he would eat. Like he was just known for like it was a reputation that he actually started to like try to live up to with outlandish displays of eating because he was like known for all this for like eating these like like three hamburgers at dinner and like uh. all this different stuff like. And so in this picture I got right here, he's got this steak that is like something out of the Flintstones. I mean, the <laughs> steak is, is it ridiculous. Is. It's like the size of his chest. It's a si it looks like a, uh, an entire, like a quarter of a side of beef. I mean, he's got this huge steak and he's got, and you can see how big it is because it's, it's measured by these forks. You know, the fork is like a pencil next to this thing. <laughs> like it's so small. But he's like, you know, it, it was sort of a joke photo as a post photo, but it was a real thing. They actually did make him this mm -hmm. massive steak. Uh, like, I don't know if he ate that entire thing, but I mean, it's, you know, it just kind of shows the sense of humor that they had um, about, you know, about this, about this guy. Right. And so, um, so anyways, so like I say, this is a guy that comes in and now, you know, we've got, you know, these, these signings of these players. So anyways, this is the guy that's joining the Olympics. Okay. Now I want to read to you this, this comes from the end of his first season in, with the, in Detroit. Um, and so at this point he had, um, he had played a full season with the Detroit Olympics and now he's playing a few games with the Detroit Red Wings at the end of the year. Just, I mean, this is his first taste of the NHL. Okay. Okay. Um, he played, he ended up playing, well, I got it written down here. I think it was uh, nine games. 
Okay. Um, he had oh, six games. He played six games with the Red Wings at the end of 1934-35 just to get him a little bit, just to see how he could do. Okay. And now we're about to read how he how he did in his final you know final few games of that 1934-35 mm-hmm. uh, season. Okay. All right. So 35. 40, it's just the next page. Then. Um. Yes. Here it is right here. Okay. Um, all right. Okay. So right here. So uh, the only thing I said on this was shortly after his Red Wing debut late in the 34-35 season. So crowd adopts Bucko. Speaking of hockey, one could judge from the roar of the crowd last night at Olympia that a new idol soon may be, soon may be ho- hoisted to the summit in Detroit. The name is Bucko McDonald, the hard-hitting young defenseman of the Red Wings. When Bucko bumps him, they stay bumped. Probably he doesn't have the finesse of Red Horner or Eddie Shore when he hands out hard knocks, but Mr. Buckle McDonald can bounce the boys around the ice for my money. In football, hockey, or whatever it is, the customers thrive on bodily contact. It is one of the reasons why they, why some coaches are against opening up the game of football too much. But that's not, but that's getting away from Mr. Buckle McDonald. The bruising young man just about shook every tooth out of Howie Morenz's head last evening. It was Sacco, Bingo, Crasho, and Bamo when Blackhawk came within halting distance of the bouncing Bucko. The crowd officially adopted Bucko last night. He is the, he is the fair-haired golden boy from this time on. Sacco, Bucko, long may we, long may you wave. Mm. Don't tell me that's not somebody that loves this guy, right? You know what I mean, like that. And it goes on and on and on and on. And it's article after article after article of his entire story through the 1935 season. And like, there's ups and downs. You know, like he has. There's a moment when like he's like the the, the team's not playing great. Buckles down, and Adams is furious at him, saying like, "You need to stop eating. You're you know you're putting on too much weight. You know your your causes. You know you're gonna eat your way out of the league." And like you know everything's kind of down, and so Buckles like getting hammered by like. You know, at first it was fun in games because he was eating all the time, yeah, and now yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. a detriment to the team, you know, Bucko. <laughs> you need to stop living up to this reputation as this big. E-. So it's like you can see like his, you know, his story throughout the season. It's just it's it's fascinating, and he's there. I mean, he's you know he's this kind of guy that in the playoffs, um, he's kind of like a, he kind of it's kind of like a Darren McCarty type. If any you know if, if anybody's listening, you know, remembers yeah. Darren McCarty during these big Stanley Cup runs. Because um, Darren, McC- you know, like you know, he wasn't Darren McCarty was not known really. A, he was known as like you know as a hard hitter, a, you know, enforcer type. But he was also a, a skilled player. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Darren, Darren McCarty was awesome. But he, but in the playoffs, like he would seem to score like more goals in the playoffs than he did all year long. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of how Bucko was. Like he yep. would score like I think he had one goal in 1934 uh, with the minor leagues, and he had like two goals in 35. But in the playoffs, he had like four goals. Uh, you know, he like he just totally like it was just gonna, he was uh, you know, in another gear, and so um yeah, but I mean, he was like this guy that was just always having fun no matter what he did, and well, and at that type of player, um the impact that a guy like this can have, you know, like you want to you know it's almost like you know this guy is just this big, he's like a big dumb kid, yeah. you know, he's just like this big doesn't know any better, doesn't know that he's only that he's supposed to have had like six years of hockey under his belt Ooh. and that. There's all these different, uh, you know, techniques and stuff like this. He's just going out there skating and hitting people, and you know, every once in a while, every once in a great while, scoring a goal, just having fun, you know. And so, anyways, he is just going to be like one of the fascinations of, and he, and it, the way that the season of 35 is going to end up, I guess I don't want to give that all away, but, um, but he's going to just, but just to show you how good he's going to become, he is, uh, uh, he'll like he finishes second in rookie of the year running in 35 behind only Mike Caracas of the the Blackhawks goalie. Uh-huh. Um, so anyways, but anyways, so that's where I wanted to go with these are the three guys that we have, and I wanted to introduce them because um because you know in thirty four thirty five these guys 
These these are minor leaguers. They're not no. Red Wings. No. These are guys that they don't even you know. They don't know that they, Adams doesn't know that these three guys are the final pieces of the puzzle. There's no he doesn't know that. Yeah. These guys are Buck and McDonald is a is a great. You know, there's another great quote here where they say he's like he's as green. You know he's he you know he's he's green. He, you know he's like but he's as green as green hickory. Like you know he's like tough. You know yeah. <laughs> like like he's as green as green hickory. You know like. Um, he's, you know, and so, but he's, he, like I say, these guys are just like, you know, there's minor leaguers. And so, but what's interesting is, is that once again, the Olympics win this championship and these are three of the big components of the reason why. And so at the end of the season, and this is really what I kind of wanted to leave off with today was that the, so Adams is, we've already talked about the guys that Adams has acquired mm-hmm. and then, you know, that he knows that he's got potentially some guys in the Olympics that might be able to help him. But uh, it, but at the end of the year or going into the you know to the next season, they set up an inner city series between these guys, some of these new newfound additions and everything, and the uh, in the in the Olympics win this series. Okay, the Olympics win two to one. Like what must be Adams? What must Adams be thinking? Like they've just rebuilt this roster, spent all this money on these players in this scrappy group of Olympics led by keep in mind the you know his trainer from the Ottawa days, Donnie Hughes. Um, you know, Donnie Hughes, the trainer of the that Ottawa team that uh, Adams was, um, was on for that won that Stanley Cup championship, um, and so Donnie Hughes is the coach of the Olympics, and this Olympics team beats the Red Wings. They win two. There's a three game series. The O's win two, and they tie one. Uh. So they swept them. Uh. It wasn't just like they won one game yeah. out of three. They beat out of them. Beat them ragged. So I'm like. You know, like Adams has got to be going. Like, hold on a second, I got an idea. Let's just take all of our Red Wings players, put them to the Olympics, and then bring the Olympics <laughs> up to the majors, right? Let's just switch teams, yeah. Because they just won. You know, they, I mean, if this was a regular season, that's a great start to a season. He just won two straight or whatever. So, I mean, like, so Adams has got to be going, man. You know, like, there's got to be some talent to mine mm-hmm. out of this thing, right? And so that's what I'm saying. So that when you're looking, he, Adams is starting to go. Huh? I, what's the reason why? What's the reason why? Who are on this team that are these difference makers? And he's looking around. He's got this. He's got you know. Now he's got you know. Heck, Kilria's younger brother down there, uh, the captain of the team. He's got the goalie that um, that you know had a, you know took the team to the championship the previous year, and Normie Smith. And he's got this crazy kid. That's like just having fun smashing smashing his guys against the boards. Hulk you know? likes to smash. <laughs> yeah, like basically that's what you're dealing with here. So he's got this crazy kid with big ears. You call Buckle the Socko. We got the yeah. first, the only guy ever that's got two nicknames is for a nickname. You know, Buckle the Socko. <laughs> like Buckle is a nickname, and the Socko is a nickname based off the first nickname. Uh. So he's got you know, he's got this big eared you know crazy kid down here, and he's like. Um. Yeah. Let's you know. Let's suit. Let's give these guys a shot when this new season comes up. Yeah. And we're, as we're going to find out, it's going to you know it, it's you know, it's going to work out. Was there another picture that? Uh, yeah. The bottom Charlie? picture that this uh the the oh, oh yeah yes yeah this is the thing I want to show you. Well, let's show this real quick. We the, okay. the, the bottom of this uh, Buckle McDonald picture. This is a picture of Wally and um a picture of Wally and uh, Bucko in okay. this. Like that's that's just a little quick photo. It's nothing super important. I just All thought right. it was kind of cool that they were both in the same photo yeah. together. Um, so, anyways, in the next shot, this is I had to bring this in. And he just like, you know, I had to show this picture. This is like, this is just, it, it, this isn't really part it's of one the of your story. prized possessions. This is one of my prized possessions. Yes, okay. And I couldn't believe I found this. Okay. So, anyways, this, so this is a photo of. There's a picture on the screen. It's a photo of Bucko McDonald, and he's wearing a New York Rangers jersey where he finished up his career. So he's okay. a little bit older on in this photo, right? 
But in the, but in the inscription on this photo, I was just on I was on eBay. Just this is at a point where. You know, I'm just I'm scouring everywhere. Like, I mean, I actually had acquired game programs. Like, I'd spend five hundred dollars on a game program just to get the information out of it for something, and then I would get, I would scan it, and I would send it right back. I would sell it right back onto eBay or whatever, right? Because I didn't have any money when I was doing this book. Every single nickel I had went into this, and so, um, and so, anyways, I came. You know, for the most part, I, everything I saw, I, I bought it, and then if, especially if it was expensive, I would sell it right back into the into the eBay. But uh, but this particular item, this was a luxury piece. This was something that I had to buy and I was not selling and I will never sell. Um, and I had to, so what I did was I, this, it was tough to read the inscription on this photo. So what I did was I, um, I basically, uh, I took a screenshot or I scanned it and then I traced over it and then moved the text off of the picture so you could see what it's, what the inscription is. And can anybody see what that uh, says on the screen? Yeah, it says to my good friend, Charlie. To my good friend Charlie, my Wishing best you friend. the best of everything. The only Buckle McDonald autograph I've ever seen on eBay mm. was signed to my good friend Charlie. Uh, I mean, you know, again, my, how do you name's, not my buy name's that? Charles. How do you, you know? not buy Charlie? That, right? Some people call hey. me Charlie. You know, <laughs> right, and Chuck, like I know he didn't sign it specifically to me, but if you're gonna buy an autograph for your favorite guy, yeah. you know, my <laughs> one that said it's inscribed with your name on it, you know. Mm. So I was like, it was, I think it was fifty bucks, and I was like. Man, fifty, especially at that point, I was like fifty bucks. That's a lot to like, yeah. you know, buy something with, and then not like doing, you know, it's just going to be kind of like a, um, you know, like a you know personal thing, mental, yeah. or whatever. But I'm like, dude, oh, I got fun. this is coming with me, man. Says this, this, signed it, Charlie, man. He signed yeah. it to me, you know, like through the years. So, and, I mean, of all the names in the of all the names in the world, you know, it kind of ties in that newspaper. The, we told that newspaper story in one of the first few episodes. Of all the, you know, of all the people that it could have been signed to. I mean, there's not. It's not like there's like a thousand Bucko McDonald autographs, and I was yeah. like, oh, there's one for Harry and one for Luke and one for the. This is the only one on there. It's the only autograph on eBay, yeah, right. And it's to Charlie, and I'm like, that's, that's coming with me. Take my yeah. money. <laughs> yeah, so I got that, and so I had to show this because it's like, I don't know, I don't know if oh, it's, it's, fun. it's it's basically like show and tell. Yeah, that's it's fun. like showing. So I so we we're talking about Bucko McDonald, and I had to, this sits this sits in my office, and it's like. Like I've got, I've got so much stuff that's like you know on the walls and on the yeah. shelves and stuff. But this is definitely in a prominent spot. So I, so I scanned it, put it on the screen, and uh, highlighted the signatures for everybody to see. So that's where we're, that's where that's all I got for the day. Yeah. Uh, so um, so we got any questions? <laughs> so I know we got Tom coming up for his. Yeah. Thing. So yeah. I did. And by the way, I wanted to say something. If anybody's watching this, right? And you, you know, I mean, there are people watching. I don't want to say yeah. if anybody's watching because there's tons of people. Yeah. Like, we don't. We there's so many people. Oh we don't even know what to do. Like it's, uh, it's crazy, just, right? But anyways, but uh, any questions there are? If anybody has any questions, you want to write into the show. You know what I mean? If there's mm-hmm. something that we're just you know we're I don't think we're you know I don't think that we're powering anything. To we're taking our time going through this. So sure. if anybody's got any questions, especially you know this, this we're putting this on YouTube or archiving it. Um, and everybody that's listening to this right now, you do us a huge favor if you like this and shared it. I oh, know yeah. it's sort of something we talk about at the keep end of the show, but we keep forgetting to know, do that. At I know. The top. So anybody, you know, ask a question, put a comment on there, you know, ask us something that maybe you're interested, you know, that you, that you have a question on. But, uh, um, but anyways, I want to do that. I want to, but I, I wanted to say that before I forget it, because um, I get, you know, start talking and forget stuff like yeah. that. But, but after but that, Tom's here. Yes, yes. Let's have Tom tell us a story. But that's we brought. So Tom's got his his segment every day, which is well, a did you know? Tom's did, got a did you know section. It could be anything did, in the world. Yeah. Well, did you know? Speaking of hockey. That in 1946, Gordie Howe was invited to train at the New York Rangers to see if he could make the team. Do you know what happened? 
They cut him. Oh. They said he was too slow and too cumbersome. Uh, and then he was working his way back home to Floral, Saskatchewan, and he stopped off in Windsor to see some friends before he boarded to go to Floral. And he went down for a skate at Olympia, and the rest is Detroit's history. Wow, that's great! And, so, and when he got to Detroit, there was plenty of people asking, "Is go is is this another Sid Howell? Yeah, is this could this guy be as good as Sid Howell? Is he related to Sid? I don't know, but if he's even half as good as Sid was, we might ourselves ourselves find ourselves a good player here." That was the moment. That was the mindset at that time. The Rangers said he was too slow and too cumbersome. That's yeah. That's <laughs> the, yeah, that's holding they, up the, but I watched Howe play many a game, and he always said he skated like a lumber wagon, but he always scored when he yeah, had the puck. He, he could tuck that puck in between his boots, really, and nobody could touch him. That's awesome. Yeah, he was awesome. Amazing. Rangers, the Rangers' fault, and Detroit's luck. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, things happen. Yeah, things work out. So that's did you know and write in and maybe uh, somebody might yeah. have something. Yeah, did we're going to say know? that. Yeah, if somebody has a did you know you, or a question you, or something, you want to yeah, write in. Yeah, as a little piece of uh, Detroit sports uh, yeah. nuggets, we're uh, happy to share them. Yeah, especially Absolutely. anything related to the 1935 season. Especially, but anything yeah. but uh, any, you know, any, any Detroit sport exactly. nugget, we'll take it. Yeah, Absolutely. I like yeah. nuggets. Yeah, and like, even like if you're one of the if you're one of the you know like the other thing too if you're like I talk I I, I told I said on a few episodes ago I told this story to at least I did this is conservatively estimated because I I told this story every weekend for I mean nine years I tell yeah. I, I told the story at least three times a day I work in the I work in the store in the mall mm-hmm. and I told the story at least three times today yeah. I mean I'm talking about today okay before I got to the show I told this story three different times and so I conservatively estimated over the last eleven years I've told this story. To no, I mean this. This is estimated a few years ago, uh, eighty thousand people, mm-hmm. right? So by now, I don't even know a couple. You know, like a hundred thousand like at least. Larry King kind of numbers. Man. There's a point yeah. where I had to drink honey to, to, to <laughs> you know, because my voice would be gone. But anyways, what I'm saying is, is, if hey, if I ran into you somewhere, if I look familiar, and you remember this story, like this, you know, this guy at some art show telling you the story, like. Say hi, man. We'll yeah, tell. Sure. We'll say hi. It's, you know, it's like, you know, like I said, there's a, quite a few people that I talk to. So yeah. if you remember me from back in the day, you know, telling you the story, you're seeing this, you know, seeing this back in the day. Um, let us know. You know. And we appreciate everybody along for the ride. Yeah, everybody's. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like, subscribe, leave a comment wherever you're listening. Appreciate it, Matt Fox, killing it back there, having fun. I I learned so much today. Yeah, I honestly did. No, that's fun, man. <laughs> Tom, always a pleasure to have you along. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. And uh, Charles, uh, thank you for sharing the stories. Man. My pleasure. I love it. All right. Until next time, uh, we'll see you.